This is Winsome Winter. Welcome back to the Restless Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Matt. I am joined by Pastor Michael this Winsome Winter evening. I am drinking some kind of tea my wife brought me called Medicine Ball Tea. There's a lot going on in it. Um, I assume many of our listeners, like me, have gotten ill this winter, and it has finally come to be my turn. Yeah, if you have kids, especially... Um, we all know what it's been like this year. Constant <laughs> sick. God, yeah. I mean, it's it is just brutal. Absolutely brutal, winsome. nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> it's not very winsome. Come on, come on, sicknesses. <laughs> what? That's right. <laughs> it would be it would be a whole lot better if we could get a whole lot less of this sickness going on in our lives, but. For now, we are we we carry on. Pastor Michael, we came off a great 12 days of restless daily podcasts. It was uh it was certainly exciting. It was fun. I'm sure many people listening today um who are not patrons are 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 a little down without the daily episodes. So hopefully yeah. hopefully we can talk about some stuff stuff today that will uh that will uh be uplifting this winsome winter day and will be uplifting to me. I need a little uplift today. So let's start, let's start by doing just a few uh, restless podcast related things. And then we'll get back to discussing something more related to our postmortem on the rise and fall of new Calvinism. What happened to the new Calvinists? Where, what do we do now? Um, we, as if you did listen to the 12 days of restless you are well aware we have we developed and released restless holiday merchandise and the big promise we had was at the end of the 12 days of restless we were going to give away some of that to some of our patrons so we're excited to do it and here we go i just used a random number generator to choose two of our patrons so congratulations andrew smith and ashley cruz we will send you a message and then we will send you something from the holiday merch. How do you want to do that? Pastor Michael, do you want to let them pick or what do you, what do you think? Yep. There will be a bit of a limit on it, um, sure. but not, not too much. And so basically, uh, you know, uh, we figured you could pick out a holiday sweater or something comparable in price. So uh, right. whatever that may be. So um, yeah, we will get a hold of you and make sure that you get that. And if you signed up for our Patreon during the last uh, basically month and a half, uh, we had said that you would get part of a stockpile of of you know some never before released, um, some just older restless merch that we've had, and so that is going to be sent out to you. I have been slow to get that out. Admittedly, um, things have been kind of wild in the Bowman household over the last month or so. So I we have that. We have some names. If you have not yet sent us your address, then go ahead and do that. Um, otherwise, uh, we will get those out in the mail really really soon. Also, something happened during the 12 days of Restless that I'd wondered when it would happen. We hit over 200,000 downloads of this podcast. This we did po it. This podcast. We did it, everyone. Two guys talking from Wisconsin, which means we need to do another 
Restless Podcast Celebration, which are always a great time. And we not only can we celebrate 200K, but also as we got to 200,000, we had one day when we hit over a thousand downloads. In the end, I think our number was like 1,100 something uh, downloads in a single day, which was a like large number for us, um, something we had not yet quite hit. So does that mean we're going to have to do a 200 minute podcast? How are we going to, how are we going to celebrate? I would love to do it. Let's do it. Let's do a 200 minute podcast. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to commit to that quite yet. <laughs> Come on. We're going to, if something... you want us to do a 200 minute podcast, you need, you need to tell Matt. You probably do. You probably would need to tell me, but what we also are going to do is we're going to do feedback. We're going to do follow-up. We have gotten, with obviously all of the interesting topics we do over the 12 Days of Restless, we've gotten lots of interesting stuff. We have lots more interesting things to say and talk about, about the Aussie pastor interview that we reviewed. Man, we heard from lots of folks from down under with really interesting uh, extra details. And it sounds like they all don't agree on how good or bad the overall interview was, which is interesting and fun. So if you've sent us an email, so if you're thinking, man, when are they going to get back to me? In about a week, we are going to get back to you live on the show. So look forward to that. But right now is your time. Send us feedback. Uh, send us yay, nay, or nuance requests. Send us, uh, you know, you can send us hot takes you'd like to hear. And we will be doing them. We'll be doing them on the show for potentially a long, long time. And so... <laughs> Uh, but maybe not 200 minutes that's a lot we will see we we will see a lot of time so the good news is is that that is all in front of us but today what we wanted to do is after the 12 days of restless we wanted to just start out with something that would just be straight encouragement straight um yeah straight straight winsome uplift so pastor mike we are often fond of saying on this show you need a pastor yes and yes. so in yeah. fact we are in firm favor of you getting one so tell us tell us about why tell us about what the what is the what's the heart behind us saying that maybe even how does that compare to what we knew in new calvinism yeah so i guess you know when we think about how a lot of us experienced the uh, so-called rise and fall of new Calvinism, not the podcast, before the podcast, when we all experienced it in real time, um, there was a lot of emphasis often put for most of us on certain celebrity pastors, certain well-known pastors, certain well-known authors or theologians that we read. Uh, but there was not always, sometimes there was, but there was not always the same um, kind of love and care and devotion to the local church. And so we we want everybody to be devoted to an actual local church with actual real people. Uh, and as part of that, uh, we think that everybody really should have a pastor, a good pastor who um, they, you know, actually uh, can sit under and learn from and know, and the pastor can know you. And uh, we think that that is, um, not only just good, but also this is the biblical pattern. Mm. Yeah. Pastor Michael is definitely going to put this show on his shoulders today. But I will say that as we are, as I'm out here involved in helping uh, plant a church, we often talk to people about um, 
things that we believe should be part of the church, right? We uh we don't do a whole lot of vision casting, right? We're not uh we're not quite on that wavelength, but we often talk about what Jesus uh pictures the church as and what the Bible tells us to do. And we'll describe that the Bible talks about the church is a place where you have shepherds who shepherd you, who know you and pray for, you know are praying for you every week and are, you know, are, you know, spending time with you right and I mean that in a variety of ways, right? In a, in church, right? In Sunday school and, you know, in fellowship. I don't mean necessarily you're at everyone's home every, every week. Though I do think Paul talks about um, the, you know, Paul says that I did not cease from going house to house teaching, right? So there is, there is definitely some of that. But when I describe these, we describe these things to people, people with a church background or without, a lot of people go, wow, that sounds like a really cool idea. And it's yeah. like, it's the, and so when we even just thinking about that, even when I say we want you to have a pastor, I'm, it's, it's just me recognizing that it's probably rarer than I would yeah. probably guess. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, and, not, think... and not ever, and not always your fault, right? That you're like, oh, I would, I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, I'm staying away from church. I'm canceling it on Christmas and New Year's or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, so obviously I am a pastor um, and I'm just thinking recently we've had some deaths um, in, you know, kind of the immediate family of of people in the congregation, not in the congregation, but but of family members of those in the congregation. And, uh, you know, you think about if you're in that situation, right, somebody very close to you, a parent or something like that uh, passes away. Do you have somebody that like you can call? that will pray for you, you know, that, that will talk with you about it if you want, um, that, you know, will be able to help you work through that grief, um, that I think probably a lot of people would be like, well, no, I don't really, you know, maybe I have some friends that will offer some, some comfort. Um, but that's just not something that a lot of people have. Yeah. And so we, um, yeah, we want, we hope, um, that our, listeners um yeah have pastors and we hope and we even know i think you know with even as i think about some of the things we talked about during the 12 days of restless right we also recognize that the even the correct theology of of understanding the need to be a pastor and have a pastor and or like going to a church with uh you know a book of church order or things that would that would lay these things out very clearly and what we would say biblically still doesn't even guarantee it. Hmm. Right. Because sin still can get in the way these things, because they're they're you know, it is difficult. It is difficult. And now I don't mean that in the way where, uh, you know, every pastor writes their, uh, the online pastors all write their posts and videos about how, you know, it's the hardest thing and there's no, you know, like it's, Right. It's it's better than going down a mine shaft with a flashlight, but it is not a it's not a light thing. Right. I guess I, I guess I should say mm -hmm. it's a, it's um, it is a very serious thing, you know, yep. it's, and, it, and at times it might vary in, you know, the difficulty of the of the calling and the yeah. work associated. Yeah. And there is and there's something to it. Right. So 
you know, I do, we've had this conversation before um, and I'm a young man, I'm a young pastor, take everything with a grain of salt that I say, right? I mean, I've, I've been, been uh, an actually ordained pastor for only four years, right? So um, anything that I say, take that into consideration. I've been in various ministry capacity much longer than that. But um, as far as actually being an ordained pastor, that's I'm just a normal sick guy who. Yeah. (laughs) So that, you know, all of that, all of that should be in your mind. Um, You know, uh, we would, I would gladly defer to much older and wiser men than me um, if I'm wrong about this, but I do sometimes get um, a little exacerbated by uh, sometimes the the complaining amongst pastors about how difficult what they do is. Um, but there is something to be said that actually there are certain ways in which it is not easier than say, you know, climbing down a mine shaft, laying brick, something like that. Um, it, you know, it may not be the, the same, uh, you know, physically difficult work. Um, yeah, you are bearing the spiritual burdens of many people. And it's something that is, you know, that's something that number one, most people don't understand, right? Like they don't, they, most people looking in, right? They only know like between you and them what's Mm -hmm. going on, you know? So they might know, oh, like, you know, he knows this thing that happened to me that not many other people do. Or maybe you think, you, you think about your pastor, you think, oh, wow, he doesn't really know that much about me. Well, he doesn't really reach out to me as much as I would like him to or something like that, right? So you just have your one view, right? What you see. And then there's, you know, 100 other people, 120 other people, depending on the size of the church, 50 other people, whatever it might be, like all of these people have some kind of of relationship like that with the pastor. Right. And everybody has spiritual burdens that in one way or another he is bearing. Um, or at least should be bearing and um, does have a a kind of responsibility for. And that is like, that's a taxing, taxing work. Um, and it's often a work that just like there's, there are, unless you are in it, unless you're bearing that, it is hard to even begin to understand what that's like in, a, in some ways, because, you know, you, we might have friend, you know, say you have a friend who, you know, something, you know, maybe they're struggling with some pretty significant sin and they come to you, they divulge that, and then they ask for your help. You might be, you know, fairly involved with that and and be of help in that. Um, but the, the level at which uh, a pastor has to do that with way more people at the same time, while also maintaining the unity of a body of people. And, you know, there's so many other concerns that go into it. Um, it's, I mean, it is, it can be really rough and also obviously extremely satisfying. And like you get a front row seat into the work of God's grace in a way that also a lot of people don't get to see. So like there, there are also significant, tremendous benefits at the same time. Um, but it is, I mean, it's, 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 it is good hard work if, if it is done, you know, what, if there is a, a work ethic in it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I, and I think, right. When we are, when we are, exasperated by people complaining about it being hard work. It's the kind of complaints that are like, well, I need to cancel church on Christmas because otherwise church on Christmas Eve and right. Like that's, that's the kind of, of complaining where, where that is almost 
specifically related to work ethic rather than the actual difficulty of being a pastor. Yes. Right. But Pastor Michael is right um, that we should defer to older pastors. And so the main thing we want to do here in this show is just celebrate either specific stories or specific pastors that we have had in our own lives and just be just take this time for us on this podcast to voice things we're thankful for about them we'd love to hear similar stories from all of you and um just take a moment to yeah in this way thank god for good pastors and hopefully um encourage pastors encourage you to to seek yeah to seek to be joined to a church with with such men um pastor michael would you like to begin yeah i'll begin and in part i'll be, be begin because um my first uh the first man that i'll mention was not was not necessary i don't i don't know that he was uh an ordained pastor um, when I sat under him and it was not in directly in a church context, although it was connected, you know, to, to a church context, um, in various ways. Um, uh, but, uh, I did have, uh, a man named Cody Cargus. um, shout out to Cody who discipled me for many years. Um, he is now a pastor in, in Wisconsin. Um, he, you know, uh, basically right when, when, uh, he kind of discipled me most. He was, you know, moving into actual full-time pastoral ministry. Before that, it was a, a bit more itinerant. He was working at a Bible camp. Um, but uh, this is a man who, you know, he's probably the first man that I can think of who really discipled me, like actually discipled, right? So actually, um, you know, uh, sought to in some way, um, you know, teach what it looks like to follow Christ. And, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. I was a, uh, I was a believer by the time I met this guy. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't as though uh, this, all of it was, was brand new, but he was the first one to be intentional about it. Um, and just thinking back, this was especially in the heyday of the young restless and reform movement. And so uh, some of the things that we talk about on this podcast, and I know I've mentioned some of this before, I think, but when I look back, there are a lot of things that I could have gone down some pretty uh, unhelpful paths if it were not for a man like Cody who you know helped direct me in my uh, young, impetuous youth. <laughs> uh, and so you know there were plenty of times that you know I was, man, I just thought Mark Driscoll was the coolest guy, right? I thought he had it all together. And then someone like Cody, who was actually discipling me um, in ways that, you know, were intentional, knew that. And so was able to say things like, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just be, you know, listening to this guy. Why don't you? And in a way that wasn't, you know, 100% right off, uh, you know, oh, you stupid kids and this guy, you know, it wasn't uh, in a way to completely write off some of the things that I thought I liked about this, um, but was able to direct me toward, you know, hey, maybe you should you know, read a lot more uh, mature, older, wiser men who are around today. And maybe even better, why don't you, you know, study and read men from the past, um, those who have like, you know, they're, they are tied and true uh, tr and they've been tested over time so that uh, you, 
you don't have to uh, uh, be worried about where they're going to end up in the long run, as we've seen with with different men like Driscoll. And I, that was just uh, extremely beneficial uh, to me, just the the various ways that that helped to direct me. Um, he also helped direct me toward going to seminary. Um, you know, I lived with him and his family for a time, and it was during that time that he encouraged me to pursue seminary and um, continue toward actual um, full-time ministry. So, so I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I want to, I'm going to start with an observation about uh, the, I have about three pastors that I'm thinking of on my mind. They're all, uh, they have a few things in common. Uh, life stage wise, as we were speaking of um, the benefit of older men, um, all of these men, by the time I knew them, all had children who were my age and older. Um, and so and I've known them right from like and I'm I'm going to I'm taking a, you know, a cross section from when I was 20 in college to today. Right. So. You know, so not just like, yeah, I knew all these people when I was 18 and they all had 18 year olds. But um, the other thing they all have in common, and it may just be a lesson God wants me to learn, is they're all very quiet. Um, and in fact, to um, for not all of them, but for at least like two of them, if you wanted to get their um, their opinions you would actually want their wife to be sitting there and she would be, she kind of would speak for them both a lot more, <laughs> which is very interesting. But I've, I've come to, I've come to so value this, right? They just kind of, they would listen. And I've, I don't know the, I think what I have started to describe this, this shepherding technique as I'm going to, um, let you talk long enough until I like until you've given me enough rope to pastor you with, right? Like if you keep talking to me, eventually <laughs> I will know exactly um, yep. how to I know a lot of the issues and pray for you. <laughs> and and that's certainly what uh happened, right? When I was, you know, in the very uh kind of new Calvinist stage, new to everything, excited about everything what happened wasn't I wasn't the pastor he didn't really correct me he didn't he didn't really engage with anything I was thinking about on these things he because just who listened. cares what you think <laughs> he, just, he just listened and and was there and was mm. uh and would you know would direct me to other things and and so yeah pastor Tim Earhart he is now in Milwaukee um he's um, sort of retired from pastoring, but he is now the pastor of a church that needed a pastor and couldn't afford one. And so he's a chaplain and a pastor um, there. Um, but yeah, he is who I knew in college. And man, I have so many hilarious stories um, in all the ways he helped me. And as a person who needed so much help, I mean, he would, uh, when we were first meeting, um, we, he wanted to study the book of Ephesians and he just studied it out of his Greek new Testament with me. Um, which of course at the time I couldn't believe anyone could do that. Um, and 
yeah and i remember him saying like yes matt i'll meet with you we can spend time together but you need to come to church with me every week and that that was the one of the biggest things he wanted um to be true of me and so um i have uh yeah yeah it's a wonderful in, in many ways set a wonderful example um i've done hospital visitations with him and right because he would just take me to these kinds of things um and certainly just seeing the way he interacted seeing the way uh he was able to interact with children um again i think all these men these pastors the way they're able to interact with children is another incredible credit to them um i remember once um pastor tim he was sitting there and i was we were eating pizza with his family and he's like, let's pray before our meal. And he bowed his head and he said, God, thank you for pizza. Amen. <laughs> and it was just this like, wow, okay. We can sincerely just pray things like that. And so it doesn't so, have to be long and drawn yeah, out. And, long. Yep, that's okay. Cause you know, I, again, I, I, had never before that point spent like real lifetime with a pastor. Right. I, I, you know, I grew up in a Christian church and I didn't spend ongoing time with a pastor at any point. And so just seeing his life and um, getting to be with he and his wife, Mary was, yeah, it was a huge blessing for me and huge blessing as I got married and all of those, um, all of those things along the way. Um, so yeah yeah no that's awesome i some of what you said even just the kind of being slower to speak reminded me this morning i was i was uh studying i've been doing a little personal study slash writing that i'm i hope to you know kind of put out somewhere maybe um for our church or maybe more broadly at some point uh just through um some proverbs especially just the the proverbs of solomon starting proverbs 10 so i've just been slowly going through one at a time and just meditating on it writing some things studying some but this morning i was studying proverbs 10 8 the wise of heart will receive commandments but a babbling fool will come to ruin mm -hmm. and it just made me think about the the wisdom so often of of those men who are slow to speak good reminder for those of us who start podcasts <laughs> that's right <laughs> here we are uh, here good, we are that's a good reminder yeah, yeah. well i'll so I, I guess we'll just go tag team go back yeah, and forth keep going yeah so next pastor i would think of who uh, providentially i've actually just um after you know quite a few years of of not having much interaction with him i just um this past week um spoke to him just briefly um or i guess messaged him emailed him and uh and he sent uh, a card with a prayer that we just actually got today in the mail. Uh, but this is a my uh, pastor uh, from when I was at in seminary, uh, Pastor Lee Eklov. Um, Lee, he's he's written some. Um, you know, he's written a, a couple of books that were published by Moody Moody uh, Press, Moody Publisher. I don't know what they call themselves, Moody Press, I guess. Um, and uh, he helped write, or maybe did write the the kind of pastoral handbook for free church pastors. Um, if you're in the evangelical free church at all. And so, um, you know, was able to sit under him for uh, several years while I was uh, at seminary, um, at, um, the, the church where he was pastoring at the time he's since, uh, retired, but, um, Lee was, was just a huge benefit to me, 
um, in teaching me in many ways the, you know, more or less the tools of the trade. Um, he very much did have a, a pastor's heart. Um, he was just a, you know, he was a, a man who just had a lot of uh, care and um, love for his people in a lot of ways, but also just really loved being where he was and connected to the seminary in the way that he was. The church was just a, a mile or two from the campus, um, had a lot of interaction on campus, taught regularly, you know, at at um, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and um, did a lot of work with those training to be pastors. So really, I'd say a lot of uh, a lot of what he did is he just had a heart for helping young men who wanted to be pastors. And so that was that was huge for me. He spent a lot of time with me. Um, he'd write we would regularly um, get together in in various ways. Um, you know, there were some some things that were more hate, like there was, you know, a group of of uh, men that would meet with him every every week and he would kind of talk about what he's planning to preach and kind of discuss it with us and you know we'd open the text and he would say well how would you preach this what would you what would you do with this and we'd kind of talk about that mm. um and then you know sometimes uh there was i remember one particular story is i remember being in this pastor's meeting and and uh at one point uh you know one of the other guys in this in this uh group got kind of heated with pastor Lee and it just went back and forth a bit. And, and this, you know, younger man was just being very, uh, you know, arrogant and, and kind of foolish in his talk. And also very, very, uh, I don't know what the word would be. He's being pretty sharp toward Lee. And at one point Lee just, you know, raised his voice just slightly. Um, but just, you know, in, in a very fatherly way, um, said, you know, basically just something to the effect of knock it off. Like you need to stop this. Huh. Uh, but just seeing how he interacted with it, you know, uh, was just really, uh, really important and good for me. And he would also, I mean, he took me to, he took me along at times to, um, funerals to help me understand, Hey, this is how you do a, a funeral. This is what it's like. Um, uh, I remember one particular, you know, just small family funeral. It wasn't, there wasn't a whole church, um, the whole church wasn't there. It was just the family. Um, uh, but he brought me along and, and, uh, this family let me come along and, and he just, you know, kind of walked me through, this is what it would be like. And this is how to shepherd people who are mourning, um, the loss of a loved one. And, and so that was a huge benefit, um, to me. Um, one of the things that just sticks out most in my mind, and probably for most people who had pastor Lee as a pastor, um, is each week he would sing his benedictions. And he just had a, you know, a, just a great deep um, voice that uh, it was just something that most people who know Lee will just, they'll remember this, right? They'll remember him lifting up his hands to sing the benediction over to the church um, when we when we were at the close of the worship service. So there's much more I could say, uh, but really, really under Lee, I was you know, whereas I would say, you know, under Cody, I was really discipled for the first time. Lee was the first pastor I had that, that taught me what a pastor does, what it looks like to be a pastor. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think the other thing, and this is off topic. Well, no, it's not off topic. It is on topic. I think one of the things, one of the wonderful blessings of getting to interact with a presbytery is just see getting getting this interaction in general with pastors 
and men from the area, right? That I'm sure Pastor Michael more than I, but that I'm sure he could tell stories of the ways, the way even just being part of a presbytery, um, you know, it just enhances this. But I am going to tell a, um, going to uh, bring in a non-reformed pastor of my own to the mix, uh, the Reverend Roger Twido, Pastor T, as he goes by. He is still, um, though he will be retiring soon, he is still the pastor of Ascension Lutheran Church in Ames, Iowa, which is a phenomenal church. Um, if you wonder why Matt is a, a Lutheran file, this is this church probably has a lot to do with it. Um, my kids even will sometimes talk about it as the place where like people love us, right? It's a wonderful, uh, warm place. <laughs> um, and I think he everything he does, he does with great sincerity, right? It is, it's he's he is his he is himself um in every in every place he is. Um, you know, he is himself in the pulpit, right? Um, he is um, and I remember obviously having gone to that church and not been a part of a Lutheran church at any point in my life prior, I had a lot of questions. And so I would email him almost every week with questions about what was going on. And he would diligently answer me and would was happy. And um, I saw him again, teach catechism to children and um, the way he yeah, the way he interacted with people in the church and the way he listened and the way he prayed and yeah, the, yeah, the way he went about um, acting as a pastor to everyone there. And, and I, mm-hmm. and I'm just worried I'm not doing credit. I think like, I often will sometimes say like, I feel like Lutherans are some of the only churches now, again, we're in the North. So just uh, always take our, our comments on denominations regionally. If you look at a map, like we're young men, yeah, we're in Wisconsin. We're right. you know, like just remember know, that I, we just know that for some of you in the South, you're like, what is a Lutheran? So I know that you know that you guys <laughs> you have to adjust this for uh, the sake of where you are in the world. But I just often have times where I'm like, I feel like I don't know what it is, but I think some in the north in many times the lutherans are the pastors are the ones who are still trained to like do the very pastoring things yeah you know um and so yeah, i think home you just, visits visiting those in hospitals yeah that's right and they seem to be yeah they seem to they seem to um be trained to do that those things are the expectation and so that's not to say that there you know there aren't faults and there aren't issues but that they have a high, I think, again, coming from a broadly evangelical tradition where those are the things that have been largely shoved to the side, right? They, um, seeing someone like Pastor T so um, engage with that and um, so well uh, is is so great. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, another just, it's not him, but another example is my, uh, my wife's uh, grandparents during COVID uh, when, you know, especially as old as, uh, you know, grandparents of adults are, um, you know, they weren't going out, but on their birthday, the their pastor and his wife went to their door 
and then stood back and sang them happy birthday. So they would have someone who would visit them, you know, on that day, just right. Mm. You know, it's, wow. it's, it's these kinds of things that you just see. Um, you just see that you see the care and that is probably the thing mm. that might be the thing that um, I most, one of the things I would most take away from, from pastor T is his care. Um, and he, he, he is, uh, his personality is a jokester. So he was pretty jokey in the pulpit. That was always, uh, that was always his way. Um, and you know, it it worked, but it, it was, I, I, it's hard to explain how I can say, but it was very, it is very, it was very reverent of him. Right. It was, you know, it wasn't light. It wasn't, um whatever but uh, i think um he is yeah he is a he's another great example right um a mm. church that was completely instrumental in me ever being in ministry so i'm thankful yeah. for them yeah what i love is too one of the reasons we want to encourage everybody to have a pastor <laughs> to be in a in a real church with real people and a real pastor is that um is not that you're going to go into a church and you're going to find a guy who you think, oh, he checks all the boxes, right? right. This guy has it all. He's everything I've wanted in a pastor. Um, and maybe you'll find that. I mean, that is that is possible. Uh, but for most people, even the best of pastors, there's going to be things that you're like, man, there are things that bother me or there's things that I don't like about how he does this or that or you know what he doesn't do here or you know, there will always be ways that you could criticize, um, but it's important that you have a real pastor, right? Because God works through real people, um, mm. actual people in the real world. And um, that is like, that is the way that he is determined to run things. I'd, I've probably shared this on the podcast before, but I've just been so encouraged over the last several years thinking about how like God has decided that he would, you know, uh, work through families where you have a a broken, sinful father and a broken and sinful mother, and yet he still works through that. Um, he's chosen that he would lead his church with broken, sinful men who will be the elders. Like th- that's that's what he's decided to do. And so um, the you know the the fact that they aren't perfect is no reason not to uh, want to sit under a pastor, but it's actually probably one of the better things for you. Uh, when right. when you have, you know, online celebrity pastor types, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm connected with various and I follow various, you know, men online who I, I respect and I, you know, find um, really helpful in various ways. So that's okay, but you get a very small picture of their life, of what they're like, um, and because it's online, it's curated, right? Believe it or not, we edit this podcast, you know, like that's what people do. Um, sometimes we don't, but most of the time there's a little bit of editing here and there um, so that the persona that is developed by anybody online is not going to be a, a full orb realistic view of what their life looks like. And it's going to be easy to kind of hold somebody up and think, wow, look, look at how they have it all together. Look at how they just, man, they're really doing well. Man, this this pastor, he's the one that really gets it. He knows everything. He does it exactly right. But if you were really there with him, you'd probably be like, all right, there's, you know, definitely things that he does not do or does not say or, or you know, really could work on. 
And so to be in a real church with real people, to have a real pastor, um, this is where the actual work of of growing in the faith, I think, happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm So I'm sure everyone who knows Pastor Michael in real life feels this way about this cele- this podcast, Celebrity Pastor, right? <laughs> well, so, so well known out in the world. Um, well, as I've said, Pastor Michael, you will continue to to carry our podcast on your back. So the biggest thing I feel bad about being ill for this this episode is I'm like, man, I feel like I'm probably not the most clear headed to tell stories of like some of the greatest. <laughs> I want to honor ever, them. I've, I've ever known. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yep. so Pastor Michael, why don't you begin uh, telling us about um, either another pastor or another story if you if you so like. Yeah. So, I mean, I have I, I have one more pastor that I want to talk about who, you know, because he's also been your pastor. Um, so if, if you well, are ready to go there. Yeah, perfect. Let's, let's do that one. Perfect. So, yeah. So this is uh, kind of fun because Matt and I can share this particular uh, pastoral experience, um, at least to a point. Um, but uh, this pastor that we both had uh, is Jim McCune. So Jim was the the previous pastor for um, uh, quite a few number of years at Christ Covenant, uh, the church where I am now the pastor, the solo pastor. Uh, and so I came to to Christ Covenant, um, this church, having become more or less reformed theologically and, you know, being very, um, very, much so um, feeling a call to pastoral ministry, um, sensing that call, having had that call, you know, um, in in different ways, uh, confirmed by pastors, by the church that I was a part of at the time. But I had never been in in a reformed church. Um, I had I had always just been in evangelical churches up to this point. Uh, but uh, my wife and I moved back to the area where I'm from. Uh, originally and had moved away from for several years because uh, my wife was pregnant with our first son and we wanted to be near to family. Uh, and so we we came back to this area and the the first it took two weeks. The first two weeks we were living in this area, we went to a church that, you know, was uh, was, you know, somewhat well known. And we had a lot of friends that were a part of. Um, and I had actually applied at the time to be for a open youth pastor position at the church. Um, and that it became clear after a, a couple of weeks, um, two weeks being there that number one, um, we would not, we would be moving in a very different direction than this church. We would be kind of, you know, it would, it would be very difficult because just philosophy of ministry wise, right. And especially as I'm becoming more and more reformed, um, we would have just been heading in opposite directions. Um, number two, it became pretty clear that like the chances of me being thought of for this position are not high, uh, mostly because the pastor at the, the senior pastor of the church at the time who was, uh, you know, making that decision could, did not remember who I was. And so uh, right away we were like, okay, well, that's probably not going to happen. Um, and, and so anyway, we left, um, this church and we actually, we felt great, uh, about that. Like we actually felt kind of freed in some ways that uh, we could go and we could try to find um, a church where we could serve. And that would uh, maybe be, it would not cause conflict, right? Like a church where maybe we would fit in a little bit better um, now that we had moved to this area. And 
lo and behold, actually almost right across the street, right next door <laughs> to this church is another church, a small church that I didn't even know. Um, I, I knew the church was there, but I didn't know anything about it uh, growing up. I didn't know anything about this church, um, but it was a PCA church. And by this point in my life, I knew of the PCA. I had, uh, you know, a, a fairly high view of the PCA. And I was like, there's a PCA church here. Like, I didn't even know this. And so we went in the next week and uh, and we were just, we were set, right? I mean, it was it was the kind of thing where right away I was like, well, I'm like, I'm ready to just devote myself to this church. Um, not because anything particularly special happened. Not because I had some kind of, you know, major, uh, you know, experience where, you know, I, I had a visionary experience where, you know, this is it. Not that at all, but it was just, uh, it was, it was God glorifying, right? It was, it was, uh, the Bible was preached um, very clearly and, and uh, it was uh, also full of people that just right away, we just had great real conversations with. And that was the first day then that I met uh, Jim. So um, I, you know, went and uh, met Jim briefly. He had actually already met my brother, my younger brother, because he had taught him Greek at a local Christian school. And so there was some, you know, family connection anyway. He kind of knew me via proxy anyway. He knew he knew of my family. And um, honestly, what what was funny looking back now is literally the first day, you know, I introduced myself and you know, we just told him how thankful we were to be there, how we'd definitely be back and, you know, talked about how, well, I'm a seminary student at the time I had not finished seminary and, you know, I'm, I'm uh, hoping to head toward ministry. And admittedly, I maybe go about it a little bit different because I was I was in the position where I was ready to just find a good church and just say, we're going to stay here, even if I have to find a different job, and then we'll see what happens, right? I, be, I would I would like to become a pastor, but like if, if we find a good church where we want to raise our kids, that's the starting point, right? Like I want to start there. And um, anyway, but I was, you know, talking to him and right away, he just said, well, you know, there are probably three different, you know, things that that uh, three different tracks, if you were here, uh, what that would look like. Number one is, you know, you could plant a church. Um, number two, you could uh, maybe find, you know, another church uh, that is looking for a pastor. And, you know, number three, I'll probably be retiring someday. So this church will probably be looking for a pastor. And just said, you know, it's just very like, well, here's some, you know, things that might happen in the future. So it's just funny to look back and now say, look, oh, look, this is, this is exactly what ended up happening. Huh. So, oh, go ahead. No, no, I just said, wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, is that funny? Uh, so, you know, very, you know, soon uh, after this, I began to get very involved in just work uh, with Jim in various capacities. Early on, I was just, um, you know, interested in ministry. So we would talk regularly. We would, we would, uh, you know, he in various ways would, would share wisdom on different things. Um, I began to attend the the session meetings pretty early on uh, in my life in the church. I've been in this church um, for going on eight years now. So um, this this year, I'm kind of working into my eighth year. So I was able to sit under under Jim as, you know, as my my pastor and then, you know, work alongside him as a pastor too for uh, for seven years. And 
uh, three of those years were just, he was my pastor. And so um, he was uh, very intentional with us in various ways. But the, the thing that I will share, you know, that I found distinct about Jim that uh, was just such a grace. And then I'll let you share some things. And then I'm sure I will think of much more. But um, Jim is just like the steadiest man you will ever meet. You know, he was just the best. I feel like this is the best word to describe um, his work in the church was it was just steady, right? There wasn't anything flashy about it. He wasn't there to try to become a, you know, a super important guy online. He wasn't there to try to like impress people. He wasn't there to, um, you know, he wasn't there trying to make a name for himself. Um, he wasn't there trying to like impose his, you know, his uh, feeling of dominance upon other people or, or something like that, things that often happen in churches um, with pastors. But he was just a steady guy who just knew here are the ordinary means of grace. Here's what God has established for the good of his people and the building up of his church. And that's what I'm going to do every day, you know, in season, out of season. This is what we're going to do. And um, it was... Uh, a significant benefit to the church. I mean, in, in so many ways um, it was uh, great to see um, even just as somebody who was able to sit under it at, with him as my pastor for, for several years. And I will say, this is the experience I'm, you know, we've, we've often said, Hey, uh, most of, maybe most of, it seems like a lot of our, our audience are people that are just in evangelical churches, but kind of lean in a more reformed direction. And I do want to be careful because I want you, I mean, I, you know, when I was in an evangelical church, even though I had reformed convictions, I had devoted myself to the church. I said, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a member here and I'm going to devote myself until I, you know, leave this place. I don't want to just up and leave and be the kind of guy that just, you know, jumps around churches. I think that that's really important to have an actual devotion to the church. Um, I am, I am just the the direction of most evangelical churches. It seems to me that we're moving toward a point when you may just need to leave. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know where when that line is, and I don't know it for your life. So don't, you know, this is not me speaking into any particular situation, but. But it's getting rough out there. It's getting bad. Um, and one of even having been in a very good church with a pastor I, you know, love dearly, uh, really respected, coming into a, a church uh, with a man who would just, you know, uh, by ordinary means of grace ministry, pastor the people and just preach the word day in and day out with, you know, not much fanfare, but just to preach it. I grew so much in my spiritual and devotional life, right? In my Christian maturity in such a short time compared to where I had been that it's, it, it just seems that so many people are more or less starved of the mm. word of God. And then I had a man uh, like Jim and I had men before that who loved the word of God, who preached the word of God, but with a man like Jim, who was able to like serve it up in a way that you could just uh, feast upon it. And like, I just grew like crazy. And so, so here too was a, was a, a great thing and something that I think a lot of people um, don't often get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, pastor Michael coming, coming in hot with coming in hot with some, 
<laughs> I'm not I'm not telling you to leave your church. Don't hear that, but maybe. <laughs> well, when I uh when I came to the church where Michael is now the pastor and where Jim was, um, I I as I I guess I'll say it this way, at least for the podcast, this is a good way to say it. It'll be enjoyable. I I came for Pastor Michael because uh, my parents were like, I was coming back to my hometown for some time and they were like, you know, I think the kind of church where that you like are talking about is the one where Michael, who you grew up with, is now a pastor. And <laughs> they described where it was. And I was like, oh, I've driven past that church hundreds and hundreds of times. <laughs> right. Never, yep. never thought once about it. Um <laughs> And so, um, so I came for Pastor Michael, but I stayed for Pastor Jim. Uh, it was uh, love it, love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it's an acceptable thing to say. I think so, and I and I, um, it was a, um, yeah, he was a huge blessing to me and my family, um, in all the ways. Um, Pastor Michael has said, I think he is a, um, he was a humble man. He was a very godly man um he is i i am certain the county of lacrosse's collective iq has dropped since he has uh retired and moved um and he would never never let on in that way but if you interacted with him at all you would know that is the case um but would just teach faithfully teach sunday school faithfully lead his session and obviously faithfully preach and and do so with the utmost care and um conviction i also think um i think that i think that a a thing i probably just want to say um about him is i don't think he i think probably a lot most good pastors are like this that they probably don't get the credit they actually probably deserve which is probably a feature because that means the Lord can reward them right as he mm-hmm. sees fit. Um, I don't think um Pastor Jim probably gets the credit he deserves for um his love of missions and visitors. Um and so right, he served on the missions um committee for the presbytery for years, um, serving that way. And um he was right the reason i am church planting here was uh he was a large part of what um has brought me to 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 participate in that and so i'm very thankful for that but also even the last uh his last sunday um we were just um it was wonderful obviously i am not uh, i am michael and i no longer uh, record in person in the uh with the illness I currently have that is a good thing um <laughs> but um we uh because it was Christmas day uh we were we were there so we were in, so everybody we were all in church everyone you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get the podcast on <laughs> we, church we witnessed we, it we, we were, were there together there. we were there together and we sat next to each other in the pews that's right and so it was it was it was a wonderful, I mean, it was just a, it was just a wonderful day, you know, obviously not because Jim was there, you know, or whatever. It was just because it was a great day to worship the Lord. And it was wonderful. Um, Jim, after the service, spent a whole lot of time welcoming visitors to the church, talking. This is his last Sunday, and he's taking the time to welcome 
visitors to the church. Um, and I and I think it's a, such a credit to him. And also that um, while I was trying to get my wife in the car so we could drive away because um, I was going to be driving back uh, to our home uh, that afternoon, uh, he was spending time with her, giving her he was spending the last moments pastoring her, talking to her about what might come and asking her how she is handling our move and all of that. And so again, just to the, like the last moments he will be there um, serving that way. And I am sure there are many, again, everyone, I'm sure there are many other ways that could be told, but I just think those, those are the kinds of things Mm. um, that all of the pastors I've talked about, and I'm sure Michael is in the same way. They are, um because they aren't doing it for an audience or a you know recognition there are many things about them um that people many people probably do not know and they do not get you will not get that kind of credit because i don't Mm -hmm. think um you know when you're a pastor of a small church when you're when you're the only confessionally reformed church in an area right those churches aren't like because what everyone thinks of as evangelism and caring about missions, right, are the like seeker sensitive things, right? So nobody looks, you know, nobody would have been like, oh, this guy, he loves to welcome people and be, you know, like in, in, in wants to be involved in missions, but truly he was. And there are, you know, and again, so I think that I just appreciate, you know, Perhaps it's because all of the men I talked about were quiet, that there was always more. Uh, there was always more God was doing in their life, and there was mm. always more to their Christian faith than um, I knew. And it at least made me, whenever I was with them, incredibly desirous to hear and learn and learn more from all of them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, just add at the end. Um, to uh this you know bit about honoring particularly jim since we both uh, were able to experience his you know mentorship and and his shepherding uh one of the things that most people didn't really get to see at least not directly um even within the church like i got to see it was how uh, he handled um, the pastoral transition so I came into the church um, and, you know, for a time, actually, um, you know, we had talked about maybe me church planting um, that became just that it became clear that probably, you know, my family and I were probably not as suited for that kind of a thing um, as as others. And so it's probably not the best option. And the church um, decided they'd like to keep us around. And so they they, uh, you know, made me an assistant pastor there of a church that, you know, probably it can it can have just one pastor, right? With active elders, uh, ruling elders, it doesn't need, um, you know, two pastors necessarily. It was really nice. Um, we, you know, we were just able to do a lot and accomplish a lot um, having two pastors, but um, but I got to spend, you know, four years um, as an ordained minister. And even before that, you know, I was an intern um, and worked alongside Jim um, very regularly. But four years for sure, full-time uh, ministering or three and a half or something like that. And uh, from pretty early on, the the plan became that, you know, they would, that the, the elders and, you know, uh, 
seemingly the congregation would like me to um, take over once Jim retired. And I, so here I am, right? I'm, I'm fresh. I'm new uh, to all of this. It's my first time uh, as an ordained minister. I'm just beginning. Jim is on the other side of that. He is, he is near the end of, of this chapter of his life. Almost every time I've ever heard of this happening, it is full of conflict, right? It's like a young guy and uh, a, a much more seasoned and, and wiser pastor uh, working together, number one, and then especially moving toward uh, a pastoral transition. It just seems like it's so often full of tension and full of of all kinds of conflict. And that just was not at all my experience. And I've often told people like, I don't, I don't know um, why God was so gracious, but like working with Jim, especially because of his humility, like it was just good, right? Like he just wanted the church to be taken care of. And he just wanted me to do well. That's like that was the primary motivation as we move toward toward um, the last times. And Jim and I are very different, right? Personality wise, Matt can attest. We're very different um, in so many different ways, and yet it just did not lead. You know, and there were times we disagreed about things. It's not to say that you know we were constantly in lockstep, but it, it the relationship that we had was so. Um, it was just so. I don't know the best word for it, but right. I mean, it just, it, it just worked well. And it was, it was a, a huge blessing to minister together. It's a huge blessing just to have uh, an older, uh, wiser, godly shepherd that knew the ropes so that when I had, you know, uh, a really messy confrontation with somebody, or if I like was counseling somebody and something came up where I was like, literally like I just don't know what to do. I could just call him and he pastored me through that, you know, like he would, he would help in that. Uh, and it was just an incredible experience, um, that I'm so, so grateful for, um, that especially that he and his humility would, would desire that, you know, some of the last things that he said to me, I think probably it was maybe the, you know, outside of, you know, goodbye. I think one of the last things he did say to me was something to the effect of like, you know, take care of her talking about the church, right? Like, like take care of the church, right? Like, like uh, the, these people matter. Um, so take care of them. And so, um, yeah, just a huge blessing to have um, Jim and these other godly men that we've talked about, you know, what a blessing to have good pastors, to have good shepherds um, that really, really do care about your eternal destiny, that care about your soul, that care about um, your life because they want God to be glorified in you. That is a, just a tremendous blessing. We love you, Jim. Pastor Michael, we made it to the end of this episode. And we I did made it. it to the end of How, this episode. Yeah, you're feeling okay. You, you I'm made, feeling you, okay. You're doing okay. The stories, <laughs> the stories carried me. It's a great, it's a great topic. And so we um, are so thankful for you all joining with us the 12 Days of Restless and this week. Please rate and review this show. Um, if you really are missing restless multiple times a week, there will be two things 
to put out on Patreon. Sorry to sorry to rub that in everyone's face who don't who doesn't want to pay the three dollars, but there's only so much we can do. Um, but we've got more bonus content coming around around the corner. There's a lot more coming. There's and plenty coming. There's there's a lot of rest, restless to come. It, there is, and I've been. We'll just say I've been seeing some uh, some 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 articles sent to me recently that make me want to maybe even do some more bonus content. Not tonight. Not tonight <laughs> when I feel like this. Not at all. Not tonight. Last thing, if you've had a good pastor, a godly pastor, um, just send something out into the interwebs. Right? Tweet. That's right. Uh, you know. Put up, put up a Facebook post. Say something about uh, the ways that you've been blessed by a godly pastor, and then and tell them too. By the way, <laughs> yeah, make sure that they know uh, too. Uh, but then, like, share it with other people. The blessings of godly pastors. That would be a cool trend to get started. Yeah, let's let's get those pastoring W's out there in the world. 